<clears throat> this is Kevin Evans with the Chapter by Chapter Life class at Crossroads Assembly of God in Greenville. And we are in John chapter 7, uh, and we just uh, obviously finished John chapter 6 last week. And uh, Jesus had just uh, challenged Pharisees during the Passover in John 6. And in 7, um, John the Apostle, the, 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 the writer of the book, uh, kind of collects a number of arguments for Christ being the Messiah in the next two. There's almost kind of a theme to the stories there. And he has a little time jump. And um, we go from the Passover to the uh, Feast of the Tabernacles, which is about six months later. And so... Um, we don't really know what happened during that intervening period, but he's just kind of pulling his stories together. And remember that he's doing this when he's about 75 years old, and it's at the end of his uh, ministry, and it's, it's been a few years since all of this had happened. So uh, I don't think he, um, the amount of time that it passed, it, it matters to John, uh, or to the point that he's trying to make. So you know it's there so uh with that being said uh let's start with chapter one uh, seven and i want to read verses one through 13 after this and he's referring to the um uh, uh passover jesus went around in galilee purposely staying away from judea because the jews there were waiting to take his life but when the Jewish Feast of Tabernacles was near, Jesus' brothers said to him, You ought to leave here and go to Judea so that your disciples may see the miracles you do. No one who wants to become a public figure acts in secret. Since you are doing these things, show yourself to the world. For even his own brothers do not believe in him, says John. Therefore, Jesus said, told them, the right time for me has not yet come, for you any time is right. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me, because I testify that what it does is evil. You go to the feast. I am not yet going to this feast, because for me the right time has not yet come. Having said this, he stayed in Galilee. However, after his brothers had left for the feast, he went also, not publicly, but in secret. Now at the feast, the Jews were watching for him and asking, where is that man? Among the crowds, there was widespread whispering about him. Some said he was a good man. Others replied, no, he deceives the people. But no one would say anything publicly about him for fear of the Jews. Okay. So going back to chapter 6, um, he fed the 5,000, and then he uh, 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 walked on the water, and uh, the, the, the boat magically appeared at shore, and then we have this big uh, jump. Why are they looking for him in Jerusalem, in Judea, which is kind of what that's referring to? The last time he was in Jerusalem, do you remember what happened? According to John, it was the uh, healing at the pool of Bethesda. So you have a paraplegic that he heals very publicly on the Sabbath. And we can't have people getting better on Sunday, you know, or Saturday in this case, uh, because that's a violation of Mosaic law. And that was enough to get the Pharisees uh, a little bit of... Um, flesh in their teeth. They're doing their best to uh, come against Christ and accuse him of heresy and being a traitor and anything else to get rid of him. And so that they're, they're still burned over that. Now, Christ left town after that and went up into Galilee, uh, which is kind of a rural area. And the way they talk about Galilee in chapter 7, it was a redneck area, or our version of it. And uh, they, they kind of look down on the Galileans because they just ain't educated. So he's kind of safe there. He's got places to hide in Galilee. Uh, I, think, I think the Pharisees know where he is, but I guess he's not as much of a threat if you're 
off in the edges somewhere, you know. Uh, it, says, it says Jewry, which is Jewry, is the southmost political subdivision of Palestine in the, in the New Testament times. That what is? It says Jewry, which is... Jewry? Yeah, that's what my Bible says instead of, instead of what yours said. Mine says that uh, after these things, Jesus walked, one of those Jesus walked in Galilee, for he would not walk in Jewry because the Jews sought to kill him. I think that's Judea. You sure no. it's not Judea? No, it's, it's Jewelry. 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 Is that a town? J E W R Y. Yeah, well, that's what I'm telling you. That, that, that says here that. Uh, isn't that the place of the Jews, Jewelry? No, it's the southernmost political subdivision of Palestine. Okay, okay. I'm not going to fight it, but I don't know. That's where the it's southernmost it's division of Palestine. That's what it says. Okay. So he doesn't want to go south. Let's just keep it nice in general because they're after him. And he spends six months up north preaching around Galilee. So that's interesting, I think. I mean, it's got to be pretty serious if you're not going to, you know, because it's basically a day's walk down to Jerusalem. It's not that far away, but he's deliberately staying away for six months. Because you don't want to instigate anything too soon. It's not his time, as he says later. Uh, and then his brothers get into it. Yes, Jesus had actual half-brothers by Mary and Joseph. Um, and, and they were not disciples. Does that surprise anybody? No. No, it doesn't surprise me at all. There you go. I'm glad. I'm glad you said that because if you if you didn't, I was going to. You know. I've shared a room for a couple of years. You're not the Messiah. No, not at all. You I have a brother who is a Baptist chaplain and a brother who is a guitar player. Neither one of them would impress me too much with if they told me that you know they had seen the light from God. So, uh, anyway, uh, yeah, I, it doesn't surprise me at all that his brothers were not uh, uh, disciples. However, he's hanging out at home. He's been there for six six months, and that's where they live, you know, and uh, probably in Capernaum. And uh, they're going, "What? Why are you here? If you're going to go, you're doing all this preaching and all these hicks. They don't care. If you're gonna if you're gonna get famous, you don't get famous in Galilee." Go south, young man, go south, they're telling him. Not that they're his disciples, but... Go to the Metroplex. Well, didn't the word say, though, before this, <laughs> that uh, he, he could do no miracles there? Speaking about his home area. Now, that's an interesting angle I'd missed. Okay. That was when he was in Nazareth, wasn't it? You see, that's, that's, what, I, that's what I'm confused about, because they're saying he's in Galilee, but I thought his home was in Nazareth. Uh, he was he was raised in Nazareth, but um, because he went back to Nazareth and then he couldn't do any miracles there, so he said, "A prophet is not welcome in his own homeland." Yeah, home base during his missions, most people say was Capernaum, which is right on the Sea of Galilee, and Nazareth on the map is up in the mountains like 50 miles, you know, so it's, it's still the same region, yeah, uh, but I, I think Mary, after she was widowed, because Joseph disappears from the discussion, you know, really quickly, I think she ends up settling in Capernaum, and I think she's near Peter, you know, and, the, you know, because half the disciples lived in Capernaum, they were, that's where the fishing was. That's part of Galilee, region. Yes. I mean, so it's like, it's just up in, from Dallas, it's you know? up in the hills where all the soldiers and prostitutes were. It's, it's the one that they looked down on. Yeah, exactly. It's the red light district. It is. It was. <laughs> because the soldiers were there. You got that. Yeah. Okay. So, did I miss something? No. I oh, okay. Sorry, I, we're, okay. We're supportive of you in your assessment. Uh-huh. I am. Okay. Go. All right. Um, where was I? 
So even his own brothers did not believe in him, says John, even though they're telling him to go down. So Jesus says, no, it's not my time. I'm hanging out here for six months for a reason. The world cannot hate me like it hates you. You go to the feast. I am not going. It says so right there. I am not going. And then he does. And the people. So Jesus was lying? I don't think he wanted the people to know. There were several big big commentators who are pointing out that Jesus was lying, particularly the ones that are trying to, you know, attack Christianity. That's that's a that's a big hot or point. Or it's poor interpretation of what the original script said. I don't know. It's a strategic narrative. He didn't want to go to the Feast of Tabernacles publicly as a speaker with all of his entourage behind him and people announcing his presence coming into town as he walked in. He did not want to make the big public entrance Yes, he, wow. he did not want to be the, the speaker at the temple. Wow. However, he let his brothers go because they would be the one to make all that happen. And then he kind of slinked in like a regular little pilgrim and uh, went to the temple. Of course, once he gets to the temple, he starts preaching. Preachers got to preach, yeah. Uh, but he does it, it. It was not a matter of I'm not going to go. It was a matter of I'm not going to go with the big production behind it. You know, I mean, it's not a public presentation. But he didn't want all the old Jesus to know that he was there because he knew they were plotting his death. Yeah, yeah. It was. It was just. It was just a defensive <laughs> maneuver here. And I don't. I don't want to think. It sounds like he's lying, like he says one thing and then does something else. But I think, uh, depending on the exact words used, publicly, privately, whatever, you know, uh, Here's it's a, there's a subtle Here, difference in what he intended. The thing is, if, if the brothers didn't believe in him for the miracles, right? But then they're saying, go down to Jerusalem so you can do the miracles there. They're, they're playing a deceitful game, too. I think maybe. Also, if, you're, if you want recognition, you're not going to get it in Galilee. So, you know, if you want to become a movie star, you go to Hollywood, you know. And so they're sending him to Jerusalem because, you know, if you're going to be doing all this preaching stuff, you really need to preach it to people who care, you know, uh, even if they're not they're part of it. Yeah. <laughs> You know, you go see what you can do with this little scam thing you got going, Jesus. You know, and uh, yeah, I think that's kind of the message there. It, like it's the an black, odd passage. Don't like the black sheep. There's, yeah, there's another thought here too. You know, he said he wasn't going to go, but maybe what we don't know is because he was waiting for divine direction. So what we don't know is after they all left, we don't know that God didn't speak to him and say it's time for you to go up, but you need to stay in the background. So we don't know that that didn't happen. True. I also think it's very sad that he had to go in secret because of the bitterness of judgment and people's hearts. Yeah, and I think uh, all that's being revved up by the Pharisees who have an active plot against him at this point. All right, Kenny, you're up. I've been walking all over you. Okay. Go. NLT, okay, and um, you go, I mean, I'm going to, maybe, and you can jump on me if, if like, Kenny, bad. Kenny. Okay, I will. But, um, uh, but I'm going to read this, and then I'm going to fix it real quick. You go on, I'm not going to this festival because my time has not yet come. Okay? Yeah, then Kenny, Kenny, insert. You go on, I'm not going to the festival now because my time has not yet come. How about that? Does that fix it? Sure. I, I do think it's a, it's a subtle misinterpretation of what was said. I don't know where that interpretation who, is. Who, who, who split hairs about the lying? What, 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 what makes lying a sin is the selfish deception. Did Tori Toomboom sin when she told the Nazis, I don't know where the Jews are? And they're into her wall. Was, did she sin? There was no selfish deception. 
So it's okay to lie and deceive as long as uh, it, my intentions are good. Did Christ really deceive? Though? Well, he sent his brothers on their way, and they didn't know he was coming. So, yes, yes, I think he did. Well, yeah, I think so. This is the big feast, so yeah. I hate to bring this up because it's not Bible per se. Faith and I are watching The Chosen. And okay, I watched five whole minutes of that, and I haven't gotten back to it. It is good. I, that's what they tell me. Ken, Kenny is very disappointed with me. I know. I, I, know. I gave him the first season. And he did. One, and of, the, I one of the themes in the first season is Simon Peter going, why don't you do stuff? Do stuff. Yeah, and right. Jesus keeps telling him. Not my time. No, this is not the way I want to do it. The the finale of season one, which is I think the most powerful episode so far I've seen, is the woman at the well. He ends with the woman at the well, and he's sitting there. And as a counselor, I love this because he's talking to her and he treats you know she goes, why would you have anything to do with it? Because you, you've been hurt, trauma. And then he goes, she goes, well, who, who's going to give me this? The Messiah is going to give me this message. She goes, well, when does he show up? He goes. For the first time, and it's actually a really moving moment. He says, "I'm the Messiah. You're the person I picked first to tell that I'm the Messiah." And then she gets off. I mean, it's it's a power. You've seen that scene, right? Yeah. That's a powerful scene. Because you're the Messiah. You're telling me. She goes, "Yeah." And he goes off, and Peter comes back, and he goes, "Yeah, I, I know that's good." Yeah. She goes, "Finally." <laughs> it's actually quite funny because he goes, "The disciple said we brought food." He goes, "I have food that if you eat of, you'll never hunger again." And then. <laughs> it's, it's actually quite humorous. Yeah. My favorite line towards Simon Peter when he goes to kill his mother-in-law, uh, Peter's wife is going, well, why are you doing all this? He says, well, normal Peter is hard enough to get along with while traveling. I don't want to travel with worried Peter. Worried. <laughs> <laughs> it was actually it's kind, of, it's kind of humorous. Yeah. It's good, isn't it? Yes. He saved that for that moment. Now, understand, this is not biblical text. I know we're not talking. It's dramatic. But I do think it gives the sense of Jesus had a timeline. Yeah. He had a timeline. And he had a purpose. This, The way this was, I'm going in with what Kenny said. This did not fit that purpose. Now, going back, the way he did was okay with that will and that purpose, if that makes sense. Well, it's just like when Mary went into the turn of water and the wine. Tried to tell her that it wasn't his time, woman, but he, he, anyway. but he did it anyway. I have mercy. It's chosen covered that for us. Oh, okay. You got okay, it. I'll watch it. I'll watch it. I'll eventually get to it, I promise. Avenge it. You will. Once you get. It's one of those things you say, okay, I need to go to bed. Okay, look, I'm mentioning the $6 million man right now, and it just has precedence. You know what I'm saying? $6 million man. Yes, yes, I know. I, I, I realize I know how that sounds. I know how that sounds. Yeah. This is important to me. Okay. Hey, hey, hey. Yes. You can't make man up your master. Okay. So, Miss Sisman. I'll get that joke later, I'm sure. Oh, I'm so sorry. Okay. Um, Verse 14. Let's jump back into scripture. There's an idea. Not until halfway through the feast did Jesus go up to the temple courts and begin to teach. That's day three, by the way, because this is a seven-day feast. The Jews were amazed and asked, How did this man get such learning without having studied? Jesus answered, My teaching is not my own. It comes from him who sent me. If anyone chooses to do God's will, he will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak in my own. 
He who speaks on his own does so to gain honor for himself. But he who works for the honor of the one who sent him is a man of truth. There is nothing false about him. Has not Moses given you the law? Yet not one of you keeps the law. Why are you trying to kill me? That last line seems kind of out of place. And then they answered, you are demon possessed in verse 20. The crowd answered, who is trying to kill you? Jesus said to them, I did one miracle and you are astonished. Yet, because Jesus gave you, Moses gave you circumcision, because Moses gave you circumcision, though actually it did not come from Moses, but from the patriarchs, the circum, you circumcise a child on the Sabbath. Now, if a child can be circumcised on the Sabbath so that the law of Moses may not be broken, why are you angry with me for healing the whole man on the Sabbath? Stop judging by mere appearances and make a right judgment. Okay, so this Feast of Tabernacles is seven days long. It celebrates the deliverance from the wilderness, the time that they spent in the wilderness, deliverance from Egypt, and then they finally entered into Canaan. Uh, they uh, have feasts for seven days. There are sacrifices and offerings to the temple for seven days. Um, they take water from the pool of something. I wrote it down and I lost it. And, th and they pour that on the, the temple every, uh, every day as part of the ceremony to commemorate God giving them providence in the wilderness and having water. And uh, that becomes important later in this chapter. Uh, and in order to commemorate this, they would build little campsites, little shelters that they called either booths or temples or tabernacles or depending on which interpretation you're reading. But they a little, sh you know, shanty. And they would live in those during the whole period to demonstrate that they were in the wilderness. So they did, the hotel business did not take off during this time because everybody's staying outside as part of the ceremony. In fact, if you lived in Jerusalem and you had a nice house, what you did is you built a very nice tabernacle on your own roof away from the riffraff and then you, you stayed in the, in the tabernacle and that kept everything kosher and uh, you didn't have to uh, hang out with all the, uh, the migrants coming. So uh, every, that, everybody did that. So there was, a re, you know, there, was, there was another reason to have a flat roof in Jerusalem. It's because we had to have this tabernacle thing. Uh, so it's seven days long, and Christ evidently let his brothers go in, and three days later he makes the trek down into Jerusalem just as a visitor. And at this point, there should be lots of people in Jerusalem. Because in any kind of big festival, it starts off slow and it builds up. And by, by, by the time you're three-fourths into it, that's when you have your highest capacity. And then, and then you have all the old people sneaking out to avoid the crowd. And they start to sneak out early. And, then, and, and, and by the time it's over, you're not at peak anymore. You know, it kind of hits that and comes down. Christ comes in about, you know, peak or just before it, as far as people coming in. And he goes to the temple where he starts teaching and people notice him and he's teaching with authority. Now, if you're a rabbi and you are a teacher, the way you have credentials is that you study under some other rabbi who has credentials, who studied under another rabbi before him who had credentials. And so, they, and, 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 the, and the longer that line and the more credentials your rabbi had, the more snooty you get to be about your own education. I studied under Ken Did you? Uh, wow, that's so nice. <laughs> I don't think they get you very far at all. Uh, Paul studied under uh, Galil. Galil? I never yeah, get his Gamaliel. name right. Gamaliel. Gamaliel. I, okay. Yeah, he was the tops. Yes, and so he was the the big shot rabbi in Jerusalem during his time, and Paul was one of his protégés, so Paul carried enormous credentials when he started preaching to the Jews. You know, uh, you, you walk into the, 
into the temple, and he immediately had credit to speak. So uh, that part of the reason why he said, "I am both Jewish of all the Jews that you ever see." Pharisee of Pharisees. Yeah, I think he is the Pharisee of Pharisees. And uh, but Christ was not. And I would we. Yes. Or whatever. And, and he was sat, discoursing the, the temple. amazed by his answers and the discourse that was going on between them. But he hadn't had a teacher then. Right. Or anybody over him, but they were amazed then. I have read all kinds of interesting conjecture, and it is absolutely conjecture, that Christ and John the Baptist, his cousin, were both Essenes and, and, and trained as Essenes in their youth, which... Yeah, maybe. Makes more sense about John. Yeah, absolutely, John, because a lot of what they're preaching kind of gets it. But the Essenes were also violent and were out for the overthrow of Rome. He he, he was uh, absolutely bro- broke with a lot of their doctrine, but that would have been an explanation for them to be uh, educated. However, Christ literally says that his wisdom comes from God, and and it's not about his credentials. It's about the content. And so basically he says, judge what I say. Judge this doctrine that I'm teaching. And there is nothing in what he was teaching that they could attack. He was absolutely spot on. And they knew it. But they didn't like him because he's a challenge to their power. So they go with the, the, the next best attack, which is to question his credentials. What, you don't have the right to speak here. You know, uh, let's throw him out in some other reason, you know. But, but Christ comes back with, listen to what I say. My, doc, you know, my, my, my words stand up by themselves. Challenge me on that. Yeah. When you say, and then I don't even, like, um, I have a witness, and you say, God is my witness. It's not. Yes. Right. And the truth stands for itself. It, it, you know, it, I, I think if you take, so, take a witness's testimony in uh, court, yes, lawyers will try to discredit the witness. But the truth stands up. The truth stands up. You know, so. Well, he, sp- he spoke in truth, which is authority. Yes. I think also there's no scientific way to describe this. Or it, he, was, he spoke like no one else ever spoke. Yes. It wasn't just, it was content, but it was the way he did it. Right. He just, he spoke to people's hearts and what they were need. I mean, so I think that when it also goes with authority, he spoke what he was need, what was needing to be said. He spoke to what's important. It's just, he was dynamic. He was, there was no one had ever been like this before. And it just, I can, I can hear a college-educated speaker, and they'd be so dry as all get-out. Someone who's never been to college is just an excellent public speaker, and they can, they can have you in the palm of their hand. Yeah. I think there's a, I mean, I think there's a little bit of that, too. He just, he believed what he spoke. It's, it's the life that comes out. It's the life that comes out, and it's the Holy Spirit thing, too. There was a difference Holy in Spirit. how rabbis taught and the way Jesus taught, which you just hit on, and it has to do with the rabbis were really, really nervous about saying something wrong. And if they made a uh, statement about faith, they had to back it up with scripture. And if it wasn't scripture, they had to back it up with what Galia, whatever said. Yeah, Gamal said it. I never did his name right. Yeah, so uh, the, the, the big shot from the last generation wrote that down. Academics today are the same way. If you're writing about history, and I have limited experience with that, uh, and you make a statement about what you think happened, you've got to back it up with as many reference facts as possible because your reader is not reading to learn. Your reader is reading to attack everything that you say. 
and bring every every conclusion you have into question. A dissertation. Yes. And rabbis <laughs> and rabbis all taught that way. So when they taught, it was passive and hesitant. And here are the three possibilities. And you know they they weren't going to just stand on a truth. And Christ came in. Preach the truth right down the middle. Didn't reference anybody. Yeah, I think we're kind of going off of what you're saying. Is like the Pharisees taught the old laws, the laws of Moses, so they kind of went off of that. Jesus came to pay the new way. So not only did he attack their authority, but he also called them out on, you know, what they were doing in their lives and their wickedness and evil. And so they just found that, you know, however they found it. And if yeah. I can piggyback off that, it was the law that he preached on top of the. It, 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 like I said, yes. I haven't come to, to abolish the law. Right. He's. I'm going to tell you what the law really means. I want to. I want to show. Yeah. Here's the law. Because he really didn't challenge Old Testament. He would just apply it. Yeah. yeah. There's nothing wrong with it. He said, but but I'm giving you a new way to look at the law. Right. I, I'm giving you the law plus, and I, I'm not destroying the old covenant. I'm just presenting you a better form of this covenant. And and you know, just if anything that. Pharisees and the rabbis and the conservative Jewish sect at that time, they did not like new ideas. Doesn't that sound familiar? But anyway, <laughs> anything new they did not trust. Well, there's nothing new under the sun, said Solomon. So well, true. You know, but there are no new ideas would be my new argument. Way to do the old ideas. Oh, okay. It's like Paul says in Romans. <laughs> he said the law taught us what sin is. The law basically causes us to sin because it tells us what's wrong. But Jesus came so that we, because the law can't free us from sin, is what Paul was trying to teach in Romans. But yet Jesus came with a new way that would free us from sin. So that's the difference in the law and Jesus, is the law can just tell you what you're doing is wrong, but it can't, it can't. Well, I think, it, I think the authority that the public saw of this teaching was the law left a lot of questions. And Jesus was answering those questions. Mm -hmm. He said, you've been told that the, to, to sleep with another woman is adultery. I tell you, if you look on a woman lustfully, you have already committed. It, 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 he turned it into a heart thing. He, he answered a lot of the questions that the law did not answer. Right. I think that was the, and that's where the common person went, oh, I get it. I get the law now. Mm -hmm. I get this now. I get this whole system now. Whereas they didn't understand it before. Jesus filled in all the gaps. He filled, and I think that's made, could that be the authority? To where people were going, I'm starting to get this I guy understand now. It. I understand it. And he's, you know, he's saying, you know, this is a heart thing. This is not a, this is not an outward cup thing. This is a, this is an inward thing. The heart and people are now I'm getting this. I think that's the authority. Should that be the authority? And that was the anger that I think caused the Pharisees to have the anger because they didn't want them to get it. They, they wanted to keep it where they kind of were crushing down the people with all these don't do this. Well, don't I think do their legalism blind them to it. I think that they were blind to the new message because legal, legalism will, legal, legalism blinds you to grace and mercy. They really which, which brings us to the next section. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did that on purpose. Uh, verse 21, um, he says, I did one miracle and you are all astonished. And the miracle that he is almost certainly referring to is the healing of the man at the pool of Bethesda on the Sabbath, which was the issue. They didn't have any problem with the healing. It was when he did it. And I assume that there have been more than one sermons condemning him from the pulpit for working on the Sabbath. How dare this little rebel do things like that? And so Christ is saying, I did this and you're astonished, yet Moses gave you circumcision. So in the book of, uh, in, in I, actually, I, didn't know, I don't know the reference, but somewhere in Leviticus, I'm guessing, uh, there is a reference to uh, circumcising children, or boys, and uh, <laughs> got to be specific, uh, on the eighth, the eighth day. It is very important that it be on the eighth day. Uh, but you also can't work on the Sabbath which is every seven days. And you know, since there isn't a schedule and when children are born, uh, it, occasionally you will have a boy on his eighth day on the Sabbath. And in this case, according to long historical tradition, you absolutely can hire 
that rabbi on the Sabbath to come to your house and perform this service for you and have this little ceremony and perform the brie or bris or whatever it's called uh, and, and circumcise your son. Uh, and it doesn't matter that it's on the Sabbath because that law of Moses trumps the other law of Moses. And so Christ is pointing out an inconsistency in the legality. And if, if, we're, if we can, you know, actually cause physical injury to a person on the Sabbath, how is healing them any worse? You know, that, that's his point. So uh, it's not about the actual fact of the law. It's about the spirit, which is exactly what you just said. No. You can't keep the law completely. But the law is supposed to teach us things that are, like, it's supposed to teach us, not, like, teach us about the heart. There are created for us, not us for them. all kinds of legal inconsistencies, you know, and uh, in debate, I, I, th that's always just a nice argument. I always look for any kind of a... a Legal, like this is required legally, but this is. You think so? Yeah. Not really. <laughs> Type A personality and really obnoxious. <laughs> Make that okay. okay. Somewhere in the scriptures. I made a few sophomores cry. Yes. Somewhere in the scriptures, didn't Jesus say, "Well, y'all can pull your donkeys or your cattle out of a ditch on Sunday, and it's okay. Why yeah. is it not okay to heal on Sunday?" Yeah. Isn't that a bad thing, situational ethics? Shouldn't they just be ethical? Yeah, yeah, I said the preacher next to you. God teaches situational ethics. Does he? Yeah. Oh. Thou shalt not kill another person. However, if someone breaks in the house and hurts your family, you're allowed to defend yourself and kill them. That's a situational ethic. That's the definition of situational ethics. Some situational ethics are bad, some are to help situations. It's like with soldiers in the army in the war, you know, you just. That's a situational ethic. Seems wishy-washy to me. Well, how do you wipe out a, a whole like group of people without killing anybody? You don't. But that's what you do. You know? Situational ethics. The situation changes the ethics. You need to watch your children. <laughs> okay. Hey. Okay. Once again, I'm sorry, Kenny. I'll get to it. Okay. Okay. Where am I? Um, 22. 24, stop judging by mere appearances and make a right judgment. So, you know, he's basically, I guess he's saying follow, you know, the spirit of the law. That's how I prefer to phrase it. Statement? Never mind. Well, no, I don't. Follow the spirit of the law. The spirit of the law. There you go. I don't know. If that, is that situational ethics, following the spirit of the law? The spirit of the law. That sounds, that sounds not good. It doesn't sound good? I think it sounds better than situational ethics. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm just going by okay. You know, sometimes semantics is important. Okay. Uh, verse 25, and we're going to take this next section, and I'm certainly going to run out of time before we get to the end of it. Uh, at that point, some of the people of Jerusalem began to ask, isn't this the man they are trying to kill? We've been looking for him. Here he is speaking publicly, and they are not saying a word to him. Have the authorities really concluded that he is the Christ? Oh, somebody's trying to start trouble. In church? Imagine. Uh, but we know where this man is from. When the Christ comes, no one will know where he is from. Then Jesus, still teaching in the temple courts, cried out, Yes, you know me, and you know where I am from. I am not here on my own, but he who sent me is true. You do not know him, oh, but I know him because I am from him, and he sent me. At this, they tried to seize him. I would too. That was mean. But no one laid a hand on him because this, his time had not yet come. That line really befuddled me this week. Still, many in the crowd put their faith in him. They said, when Jesus comes, will he do more than miraculous signs than this man? The Pharisees heard the crowd whispering such things about him. Then the chief priests, plural, and the Pharisees sent temple guards to arrest him. 
Jesus said, I am with you for only a short time, and then I go to the one who sent me. You will look for me, but you will not find me, and where I am, you cannot come. The Jews said to one another, where does this man intend to go that we cannot find him? Will he go where our people live scattered among the Greeks and teach the Greeks? What did he mean when he said, you will look for me, but you will not find me, and where I am, you cannot come? On the last and greatest day of the feast, <clears throat> this is day eight, by the way, not seven, day eight. On the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. By this, he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. On hearing his words, some of the people said, surely this man is the prophet. Others said, he is the Christ. Still others asked, how can the Christ come from Galilee? Does not the scripture say that the Christ will come from David's family and from Bethlehem, the town where David lived? Thus the people were divided because Jesus, uh, because of Jesus, someone to seize him, but no one laid a hand on him. Okay, that was a big passage and I've got a lot to unpack here. Um... Mary was from Simon. Well, I think that's the first thing. He says, but we know where this man is from. When the Christ comes, no one will know where he is from. Well, if you look at scripture, it tells you where he's from. And, and from what I could dig out, there was a sectoral theological division among the Pharisees at this point. And some questioned the references to Bethlehem and the city of David, and others did not. And there's some. There's also a reference for uh, the the Messiah uh, kind of appearing out of nowhere, and it was being taught that the Messiah would just appear at the temple. No one would know who he is or where he was from, and he would be immensely knowledgeable, and he would lead them on to overthrow the world. You know, that was the basic idea. And so they, if we know this guy, he can't be the Messiah. That was the argument. And, uh, yeah. And so, and, and of course, what's interesting is there's an irony here because we, we know this guy, he's from Galilee. Well, he was preaching in Galilee, but he was born in Bethlehem, and he was raised in Egypt. And, you know, uh, he's, this, he's been around. They really don't know his background. They, they know that he's been, where he's been preaching the last two years, but we don't know where he's come from, you know? And so there's that. Um, and so then Jesus still teaching in the temple course cried out, yes, you know me, uh, but he's representing God. Okay, what was the next thing? This, they, tried to, they tried to seize him, but no one had laid a hand on him because his time had not yet come. And then cry, John repeats that at the end. And Anytime a professor repeats something twice, you have to write it in your notes because it's going to be on the test. This is important. <laughs> Did you work with high school? Oh, okay. Well, nowadays, not much of Yeah, fair enough. I was going to go there. Uh, yeah, I can't. Yeah, I couldn't be subtle in high school. There wasn't any. But okay, it, it, it appears here twice, and uh, why couldn't they lay hands on him? They, they sent the temple guards. They sent the guards to arrest him, and the guards came back and said, "Nobody, nobody talks like this guy." Well, I have a note on the side. He talked his way out of it. Holy Spirit protected. Holy Spirit protected. Or it could have been a thing like happened at the resurrection and that where they were slain by the Holy Spirit of God and they're down so he just passes on through. It's God's purpose that he goes through all this and this is not his time. So they couldn't have put a hand on him. God just control her. He's not I mean it's just it, God's will is God's will. Well, mine has a note beside it that says divine restraints. Yes. 
I just, I just think it's, I just have a hard time picturing this. If God wants I really, to I really want it to be Doctor Strange's sling ring, and he walks through, and everything's cool. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's not. Like, this is subtle. This is subtle. <laughs> okay. Well, some things you can't explain. No. Well, I agree. I mean, missionaries go into some very dangerous situations to where I think, in normal circumstances, they probably die. And it's the protection of the Holy Spirit because they're there for a purpose to survive this purpose for something else. And if God wants you there, and He wants you to get through it. Got other things praying for you. You can be in the midst of the most dangerous situation. God's going to get you through it. Right. Um, I do think it's interesting. At the end of verse thirty, it said, "When Christ comes, will He do more miraculous signs than this man?" Someone asked. And uh, by, I'm running out of time. When people start running out of my class, yes, I know, I know, I know. It's just a good indicator. Uh, I had a list that I didn't bring that another commentator put together of everything that Christ has accomplished that fulfilled the Messiah. And it's a long list, you know, like 23 miracles. That I, I mean, it's, it's loaded. And uh, if they're still looking for a Messiah in Jerusalem and they've got this list of what Christ has accomplished and, you know, he's going to have to be pretty impressive. You know, it's... Uh, he, no one can really do more than Christ did to fulfill the, 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 the requirements of the Messiah. The people use their own interpretations to believe what they want to believe and not believe what they don't want to believe. I mean, he raised the dead oh, yeah. more than once. Well, but I mean, but yeah. well, that, he does that by power of demons. You know, you can exp you explain away or explain what you want to believe about something or someone. I mean, well, you know, Rationalization like, is a powerful thing. It is. It? Well, yeah. that's what I think because, like you said, I agree. Look at all the stuff that he's done. And, well, the, the debate of, you know, well, we're not supposed to know where he comes from versus, well, he's coming from Bethlehem and stuff like that. If you wanted to believe that who he is who he says, you're going to take all that that says to see. But if you don't want to believe this is the man, what he's saying, what he's doing, well, you got to find something that can, in your mind, contradict it. That, that's human nature. Yeah. Um. And then he says, and greater things than these shall you do. Yes, I, I, <laughs> rationalization can be a powerful thing. I, I, it's often occurred to me, because of my various uh, entertainment pastimes, that um, when Christ and the glorious appearing appears in the east in the sky and lights up the entire sky and we see him as he appeared in Daniel. Um, if the lost were to see him, they would say, that is the coolest special effect I have ever seen. <laughs> How does Marvel do that? I've really got to go to that movie. I, I think... We, 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 we've gotten to the point that it's explained away and to the point that it, it feels rational, you know. And, and honestly, I think we're being inundated by a lot of wild pictures to the point that, you know, when people disappear or get dissolved or, you know, it, reality is twisted in a big circle. And, uh, reality. Yeah, uh, yeah it, 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 we, we, I, I think we, we become jaded to the fantastic. Well, social commentary here, which is controversial, but look, just watch society in general. We believe what we want to believe, and what we want to believe doesn't happen. We rack, well, where's your evidence? I don't need evidence. This is just true. Right. Like we believe what we want to believe. We don't believe what we don't want to believe. And well, just, it, you could ever, you ever, oh gosh, I hope I don't. You ever talk to a flat earther? What is that? People who still think the world's flat? Oh, you can put them in a rocket ship, take them up there, and show them that the world's run. They said, nah. Uh, it's a big plate. And yeah, you know, it's yeah. like, oh my goodness. Well, they say, show me the evidence, and you show them evidence. They say, fake news. Right. And I'm going, well, I can't. I've got some friends that do that to me, and I say, well, here's this. And they go, well, that's fake. I went, well, then I can't have a discussion with you. Everything that disagrees with you is fake. Right. The world is round in a circle. But we, we did not land on the moon. Oh. Yeah, we never went to the moon. You've been hanging with Ray, haven't you? Don't listen to Ray. Yes. Every word of God and 
guard our hearts and our thoughts to the worldly things. And so that's why scripture kind of points that out, you know, in, in several different ways. Just throwing that out there, I'm sorry. No, no, that's right. That's, you're right. Uh, so, uh, I'm running, I'm way out of time. Uh, so, the, um, cry, the people are saying he's performing a lot of miracles and he's making headway with the crowd. And this is the crowd, not the Pharisees. And the Pharisees do not want the crowd turning on them because we have all the regular, this is a big church service and we need to keep the crowd with them. So they send the, 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 the troops to arrest him. You know, just to get him out of the way, you know. And, uh, and Jesus, basically, uh, they, they're unable to do so. And when they come back, they say, uh, uh, we, you know, nobody, nobody talks like this guy. The, 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 he literally talked the temple guards into basically believing him and not, not doing their duty. Yes. Which is enough to get you arrested when you go back to see the Pharisees. They had control over them for not doing their duty, you know. So I used, you know, we used to assume that if they spoke the truth, they'd be killed for it. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. As sure. A soldier or guard. And I think they knew that they had to pull the the, the line. Okay, one more point, and then I'm going to close. I know we're out of time. Christ speaks on the last day of the feast. On the last day of the feast, it was the 8th. They stopped eating the feast on the 7th. The 8th day was the wrap-up. There was a ceremony there. It was the day that to commemorate them coming into the land of Canaan in the, in the Feast of Tabernacles. And they did not pour water on the, 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 uh, the, 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 the altar. And there was no water in the temple. It was because they're depending on Canaan. And so Christ is standing outside on the eighth day, on the last feast day. And this is his last feast day because he will be crucified before the next one. And he says, I am the living water. You know, there was a re you know, the place he said it and the circumstance that he said it made it even more important than what he said. It wasn't just the content. So he is saying, you know, you're thirsty right now. And they were because it was the eighth day of the Feast of Tabernacles. That's what it was for. But he says, I am the living water. Here's where, 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 where you need to go from this. And, and this is the end of this uh, festival because he's about to fulfill it all. And that, yeah, and that's, that's, yes. And we will stop there on 44 and pick it up at 45 next time. Okay, signing off. Goodbye, Internet. Oh.